Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. In the third chapter and with the eighth verse, the Apostle Paul has these instructions for those who love the Lord. He says there's no difference between the man who plants and a man who waters. God will reward each one according to the work he has done. For we are partners working together for God, and you are God's field. And the Apostle Paul tells us that we are builders, and so I would list what we have to think about this morning and simply call it skyline breakers. Not too many days ago, I had the opportunity to be downtown and eat in one of those restaurants, the very top of the building that goes around and around. And on making my turn around that thing, the building, the gallery, I guess it is, I noticed that these steel jacks, or whatever you want to call them, uh, were laying the steel framework for that massive building. Now, that is going to be a beautiful building for our city. And I was fascinated to how they like cats, agile up there on those pieces of metal, uh, running up and down and back and forth on it. And I thought to myself, well, now, I'd like to be able to do that, but my feet are so heavy, when I get one foot off the sidewalk, my head gets sort of light. And I envy these people. And while I was there watching them and that fascinating concept in my mind how I would like to be a part of that to some degree or be able to do it, I thought back about an article that I read some time ago about the Empire State Building. And they had the steeplejacks there either making a new antenna or adjusting the one that is there. And a reporter shows up about this time. And you remember the reporter asked the man, asked one of the steeplejacks, do you like doing what you're doing? He says, oh, yes. I love to do what I'm doing. And, of course, the reporter said, well, why? He says, well, he says, I'm able to look down on the world from up there. And he says, another thing, he says, how many people do you know that's in a position to break the skyline or to change the skyline? Now we're back to Paul. And maybe the question should come to each one of us this morning would be simply this. How many of us are really busy in this life of changing our skyline. Now I read, I think it was in the paper, but I'm not sure, uh, just here a couple of weeks ago about a city here in the northern part of our state, and the one was saying that his the little town that he lived in was dying, uh, that there was dirt and filth and litter all over everywhere. And uh, he said, there hasn't been a building, a new building built in my town in the last 15 years. Well... I suppose the town is dying, really. And I think about us, and I think about your life, and I think about my life. As we come to this place and at this moment, are we in the process of really changing our skyline, or are we in decay? And nothing new in the last 15 years has been built within our life. Now, folks, as we look at the Lord Jesus Christ, we know that he was one much in this business of changing the skyline, not only for himself, uh, but for the people who are round about him. In fact, the Apostle Paul would have to say, as he did, that it is the Lord Jesus Christ that has placed the foundation on which I build. Wouldn't it be tragic for God 
through the Lord Jesus Christ who have given to you and to me a foundation on which to build, but somehow or another we never get around to building the superstructure that Jesus Christ and God the Father intended for us to build uh, when he called you and me into existence. I think there can be three or four things said about skybreakers. And there are those that I would list as non-breakers. These are the ones that see the need, in a sense, but they see no real need to make any change within their life. They just like it the way that it is, the wide open spaces, so to speak. Now, one of our district superintendents a year or so ago was in an accident, a car accident, and they rushed him to the hospital because they thought he had uh, some kind of a brain concussion. And so they take him to the hospital and they x-ray his head and the doctor said to him, he says, I can find nothing in there. And one of his preachers spoke up and said when he heard it, he said, well, I can told him without x-raying it, you know. <laughs> but we want to just leave things like they are, to be the, the sort of the wide open spaces within our life. And, and this is not necessarily the thing uh, that God is calling us to be a part of. Now, there are those who are satisfied with building on the ground. And I would think that these are the ones who, if it's cast in the terminology of the scripture, that they are the ones who give more thought to eating and drinking and having a good time uh, than any other one thing. They think in terms of what is pleasing to the body and what is comfortable here. And if you talk to them in relation to the, what they need to be doing, uh, well, we don't hear too well. And dear friends, I do not have to look at your heart as all I have to do is look at my own heart to know how easy it is for me to begin to think in terms. In fact, if as a challenge put before me, I sometimes hesitate thinking in terms, now what will this cost me in order to be involved in it? And these are the people that sort of build on the ground, so to speak. And I was just bowled over to know that in England, and especially in London, it was only just a decade ago that the builders there began to think in terms of building skyscrapers. Now you will see no old skyscrapers in London, England. If you're there and you see a skyscraper, you know it's been built within the last decade. And talking to one in that country and from London, he said, we have just discovered that we can build skyscrapers here too. And some of us go about our business as if we had never dreamed of being able to build a superstructure uh, with these lives that God has given to us. Well, there's the non-breakers, and then there's the near-breakers. I guess I would feel closer kin to this group than the other. These are the ones who say that uh, they would uh, like to do something about the situation, uh, but they're actually afraid to try it. Now, I read again the other day by one of our leading statesmen that said the thing that keeps both an individual and a country from doing the great things that it ought to do is because of the fear that lays hold of the people or the person and this keeps them from doing and being uh, what they really ought to be. That we cannot maximize the opportunity that God has given to us and begin to develop to the capacity of our life that God intended if we are afraid uh, to give it a try. What if I fail? And what if people know uh, that I have failed? 
You see, dear friends, when you do something terrific and something great, or you have the opportunity to do so, you can almost match the possibility of failure to the greatness of the opportunity that you have. And it is a fact that you might fail. But let us understand that even in failure, maybe the world will say that we have failed, but maybe in their failure that we will be able to create the greatest superstructure that these lives of ours could possibly reach. And I'm thinking about none other than the Apostle Paul. You remember that he was going out to persecute the Christians and he thought this is a thing to do. On his way to persecute the Christians on the Damascus Road, you remember he came, in a sense, face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was here in this spirit, or act of failure, in a sense, that the Apostle Paul became the great man that he was. And he is the one that, in a sense, turned this land upside down and inside out for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then there are those that belong to this group who do not want to pay the price. Oh, they like the skyline, and they like to, to see it broken, and they like to see uh, something done, uh, but it is not easy to go up there where it is so high and, and where it needs to be changed. It may take some time. It may take some sweat. It may take a little blood. It may take some skin and some uh, sleepless nights and a lot of prayer. And when we think about the price that we may have to pay for it, uh, we hesitate or uh, we refuse to do it to start with. It takes time. Don't want to do it. And we can think up all kinds of excuses for not doing what we ought to do. Oh, how easy. How easy it is for me. I may have trouble thinking about other things, but one thing you can count on and I can tell you how true it is in my own life. Uh, that is something that I don't want to pay the price for, and I'm not really, don't want to be involved in it. I can some different reasons why. Right off, real quick like. My mind is, is so agile and so quick to respond. I couldn't help what I was thinking about this. I had it called to my attention again by our little ones here in the church. I remember a group of five and six-year-olds, I believe they were, were playing in the church. Not in this church, but the other church right down the hall in a room right from the office. And there's three little boys, and the rest of them were little girls. And one of the little girls, cute as a bug's ear, came up and just crying up a storm. And she came right in the office and says, Preacher, those boys down there are being mean to us. And so I took her by her hand, and I knew it was time for the preacher to act. And I took her by the hand, and I marched her right back down the hall and went into the room. And, and one little boy was sitting over in a chair, and he was just beaming. He was just all smile. And the other one, I think one was Billy. The larger boy was Billy and Timmy. And old Billy and Timmy were standing there together. And I knew right off who was the guilty one. Sure, I looked to look at him. I knew it wasn't the one sitting over in the chair. And so I said, now just what is the problem? What's going on here? And she said, well, Billy is grabbing us around the arms like this. And Timmy's kissing us. <laughs> Well, I'll wait a few years, and I, well, I'll tell you the truth, but anyway, <laughs> but anyway, I said to Bill and Tim, I said, how can you treat these little playmates of yours like this? And Tim, without a bit of hesitation, pointed to the little boy sitting on the chair and said, he agitated it, he agitated it. And using that big word, I nearly fell over, he agitated it. I didn't think the kid knew what he was talking about, but he agitated it. Well, an excuse to excuse him for doing what he had done. 
Well, I've got one that good. You know, I can lay it on to someone else. I would, but, you know, I should, but I can go all through this whole panorama thing to excuse myself from doing within my own life and with my own soul and with my own heart what I know deep within my soul that I ought to do. The near breakers. And then there are the breakers. These are the ones that believe that their skyline should change every day. And today is not as yesterday. And tomorrow will not be as today. Uh, because they're in the process of living and living in a creative and in a dynamic way. I thought about my friend again uh, that uh, spent his lifetime as an FBI agent and retired some years ago and joined uh, one of our noted law firms, the offices here in town, and he's been a lawyer now for three or four years. I lose track of time, but at least that many years. And now the other day he said uh, that he was going to retire again, but not to retire to quit work. He's decided that he's going to buy a bulldozer. And he wants to learn how to run a bulldozer on some property he has out here on the other side of Bargetown. And I thought to myself, now here he has, he's built his superstructure, so to speak, and now he's fixing the antenna to the top of it. And I want to say to my own soul, so you take a look at this man. You take a look at this man. And you know, God would do me a favor. God would do me a favor. If in his process of calling me, to vacate to this world, that he would give me the privilege to come to him in a sense, as the cowboys used to say, with my boots on. Oh, I'd like to be active doing something, somewhere, someplace, somehow. And then I think of that old worn-out Methodist preacher that the conference retired, and he took a trip and came back home, and then went to the district superintendent and the bishop and said, in effect, do you have any church, any little church in the, in the conference anywhere? Where they need a preacher. He says, I volunteer for it. Now, this man that I'm talking about had some of our greatest churches that we have in this conference, some of our biggest churches. And he says, it doesn't make any difference to me if they have only five members or ten members. If there's a place where I can serve, there's where I want to go. Here again, caught in the spirit of what I understand the Apostle Paul is trying to say to us. And then I think about these people are being the people who help other people to change. And I suppose Paul is placing the emphasis here as much as anything. If we change here and be the person that we ought to, we're going to affect those people who are round about us. And that goes without saying. But how can the people around us be what they ought to be when we do not measure up to what God has called for you to be? How can we? How can we? You know, the other day I ran into a person that keeps one of our nursing homes. And this person said that to some of these people uh, that really ought not be here because they're still active enough to be elsewhere, but their children have placed them here. And it's a wonderful place, but it's not home. And that stimulated my thinking to think it is no wonder within our society that this happens to us. Look what we do as parents, that we usually think if we provide for our children's physical necessities and give them a nice home in which to live and fill the room full of toys, that we have done our job. 
Is it any wonder when they get older and they take over the responsibility and become the lesser that they think that they have fulfilled their responsibility to us completely and totally when they put us in a nice nursing home and fill the room with toys? It doesn't matter whether they come or not. And as much as we didn't come to them to take care of their spiritual and social needs when they were young, look what happens to us. When will we come to the place to see that we have a responsibility for one another? And I neglect the other when I do not quit my life and help it to be and bring it to the fulfillment that God intended for it to be when he called me into existence. Now, how am I going to do it? Well, we're not going to change our skyline by a lot of negative thinking, a lot of negative thinking. It cannot be done that way. And you know where your life needs to be changed better and more perfectly than anyone else. You know. I do not know what it might mean. It may mean that you should further your education, both young and old. It may mean that you need to give more consideration to your job or less consideration to it. It may mean that you need to quit some things and it may mean that you need to start some other things. It might mean that you need to come to the place in your life where you commit yourself and dedicate yourself more completely and more totally to God and to his kingdom. I do not see how any person anywhere, any place can do what God has intended for them to do in their life if they do not give prime consideration to the spiritual needs of their soul. Paul says there isn't any other foundation on which a man can build for, or a woman can build for this to be done. There is only one. And the foundation had been placed with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you cannot build on that by coming twice a year to church. It can't be done. But it can be done because God intended for it to be done. And he has voted in that direction. And he has made it possible. And the only one that can keep that from happening within your life is for you to vote against it. It is as simple as that. And if you would turn back into the scriptures, and it is Paul speaking again in the second chapter of the first Corinthians, and along about the ninth verse, and he is saying, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, for a long time within my life, even after I became a minister, I thought that Paul was talking about what is yet to come, more specifically, uh, when we leave from this world. I did not discover until a few years ago when Paul said, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him, that it means today, right now, this very hour. That's what Paul was talking about. And that's the opportunity that you and I have today as God's people to make the most of this wonderful privilege to be alive and to know who we are and to know today that we can do something fantastic and something wonderful for ourselves, for the church, and for the kingdom of God. O oh, our Father, help us then that we might be and do what we need to do today to make the most of our life, for we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen.
Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started in making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven.